welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert, and I'm here with Dr. Millicent Ravello to talk to you about nasal trauma. Nasal trauma, we see a lot of it. It's probably one of the most common things I get called for from the Cedars ER. Oh, really? Well, there's... There's a whole politics thing about who gets called for what between ENT and plastics and surgery or what have you. But what it's sort of boiled down to over the past two years at Cedar sinai is that plastic surgeons get called for facial lacerations and for isolated nasal fractures. That's, that's our specialty. <laughs> that's ridiculous. I said it was political. <laughs> we used to get the big facial traumas and the big face wax and the orbital floor who fractures. Who does those now? Um, I don't know. They're not very forthcoming about who they call, but typically it's OMFS. So the, um, yeah, the maxillofacial people. Okay. Yeah, I, I know. We used to split it at Pittsburgh. It was a split between ENT, plastics, and OMFS. I mean, there's so much yeah. facial trauma. We just That's split how it, it was at County when we trained there. Yeah. But for whatever reason, some secret deals and handshakes were made. And so now they get all the facial trauma and we get called for the, the nasal fractures. And it's really funny because sometimes I'll go see a patient with a nasal fracture and the OMFS guys have already seen them for like their frontal sinus or their orbital floor. And I'm like, but you couldn't see them for the nasal fracture? But whatever. It's fine. That's so wacky. <laughs> so needless to say, we see a lot of it. And how you treat nasal trauma. Th- this comes up for me all the time because, you know, there's there's a standard sort of approach, which is like, okay, you break your nose. Can you breathe? Is it deviated? Should we do a closed reduction and try to reduce the fracture, meaning put the bones back where they belong? Um or should we just leave it and fix it down the road in four to six months? Yeah, and there, there is sort of a, a set protocol in my mind for how I address them. So when I get a call about a nasal fracture that has just happened, there are a couple of things that I want to know. Number one, um, what part of the nose has been fractured? So it can be the nasal bones, which are the firm, rigid bones that sit at the top of the nose. And it could also involve the septum, which is the inner dividing cartilage between the two sides of the nose. And either one or both of those could be fractured. And so the first thing that you need to rule out is if there's any kind of internal bleeding in the septum, any kind of septal hematoma that needs to be drained immediately. That's a surgical emergency because if you don't drain it, you can go on to actually lose the septum because it just gets eaten away. And that's bad. And that's bad. So that's the first question. Does the patient have a septal hematoma? It's very rare. You got to check for it. And if they don't, then you can go on to decide what your time course is for fixing this fracture. And to decide that, you sort of have to look at the patient and look at the imaging. Most of the patients, by the time they've called me, have already had a CT scan. Getting an x-ray for a nasal fracture, not really that helpful. So if you at all suspect it, typically they just go ahead and order a CT scan. And you look to see how displaced things are. Bones in the nose can be fractured, but can still be in perfect alignment. They haven't shifted. In that case, you're not going to do anything. You're going to watch it. Same thing with the septum. It might be fractured, but it might still be straight. So you watch it. But if there's any kind of deviation to the bones or to the septum, my inclination is to go ahead and fix it sooner rather than later. The exceptions being an older patient who might be on blood thinners, who might not care about how their nose looks afterwards. But if they're younger, they're healthy, and there's an obvious deformity, I would prefer to fix it within the first week to give them the best chance of healing that. 
Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you probably have 14 days, maybe three weeks to do a close. 10 days is kind of my my max. I like to do it 14 days at the most because then then you're just re-breaking it. (laughs) You're re-breaking it because things have healed (laughs) in their configurations. That's the whole reason to try and do it earlier. Now, you can't do it too early because you're going to have a lot of swelling right away. So unless you're getting it at like three hours, there's no point in doing it in the first 72 hours because there's so much swelling. You can't really see what's happening. Things are inflamed. So I like to like give it a good five days to calm down, let the swelling come down, and then go in and do the reduction. Yeah, I mean, that's what I like. I mean, I have caught them in the ER like <laughs> in three hours sometimes, and I can just Give them some local and pop the bone back in, yeah. which is cool. Um, that's pretty rare. Usually, that's very if rare. it's already swollen, it's not going to move, and you can't splint it right. So, yeah. three to three, five, six days is really yeah, nice. Let it calm down. And I, I mean, you can do this under local. I have done it in the hospital setting, typically for my more fragile patients maybe they can't go to the OR but my preference would be to take them to the operating room because I can just do a better job the patients are more comfortable I can get a better realignment of the bones it's quick it's easy and I can do it how I like it and then get them on their way and most of the time if it's a like not like a crazy fracture you can pop everything back into place, and it's going to be okay. And it's going to be fine. You put a splint on it. You put a cast on it. You let them heal. I tell them, you know, there is, what's the number I say? I think it's a 30 to 50% chance that you may have to have something done six months from now. But we give this fracture the best chance we have of healing, of looking great, of working. And then in six months, if you're having problems breathing or you don't like how the nose looks, then we can talk about going in and doing a formal rhinoplasty. Because sometimes even though you put everything back where it's supposed to be in the healing process, things sort of shift back to the fracture. Definitely. Because this is the thing about facial trauma. Is you don't just break the bones. You broke the soft tissue too. Yeah. And the soft tissue took a beating and it yeah. scars in and, and it, it causes a problem. And it pulls in the direction yes. that it was broken. Definitely. Yeah. So it's definitely possible that things can shift even after you've fixed it. Trauma is bad. It is not like when you're fixing trauma, you're not like doing like a nose job. You're no. fixing trauma. No, this is not a this nice a little different animal. You know, incision and things are clean and a little break here and a little break there. No. 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 This no, is this damage is, control. This is facial fracture repair. Yeah. And it, it you have to, like, the surgeons have to understand that. The patients have to understand that. It's not the same thing. And then people say, oh, I don't understand why this didn't heal properly. I was like, well, maybe because, like, when you flew through the windshield and your face went into the tree, it didn't make things nice and tidy. Right. for the scarring and it's hard to get that and then they say well you know you should have done this or you should have done that and i said well we did do that but the healing is directed by the scar tissue which right. is why i more and more go to rib grafts <laughs> for your for your i do traumatic yeah i like number one i don't want the patient to have a problem but number two like i know what's going to happen yeah like i know that that trauma like depending on the trauma boot to the nose at you know a bar rib Oof. yes that, that nose is smashed it's smashed it's smashed it's done 
And it's not going to yeah. do, they'll just get a little ear cartilage grafted. No. No. I'm sorry. That needs to be rebuilt. And can I say that sometimes we do get those cases, boot to the nose, or <laughs> the last one I had was a complete fall from standing. The patient does not remember. He was incredibly inebriated, and he just face-planted. Like, does not recall what happened. But one minute he was standing, one minute he was flat on his face. Nothing broke his fall except his nose. And that nose was crunched. I mean, there was nothing I could do to salvage it in the immediate time period. There's nothing. It's literally just little fragments of cartilage floating around in soft tissue. And (laughs) so in cases like that, you do the best you can. You pack it. You try and build it up and do some kind of damage control. But those patients are a thousand percent going to be coming back for some kind of revision down the road. And I recommend... Rib graft. <laughs> I recommend I'm rib just graft. Telling you, like, now build there, it. Now there are some cases, and um, I know that you did one recently, where the patient was not six months out from their fracture, but yet you did do a formal reduction, a formal rhinoplasty. So when would you recommend that? That was in a patient that couldn't breathe. So the the fracture was so bad that a closed reduction wasn't going to do anything. And it was not just that the patient, there were some other special circumstances, but um, that was a case where aesthetics weren't the issue. It's all about function. Yeah. And, you know, I, I could do it endonasally. And so I could, it was a very limited, you know, number of moves. Yeah. And it's in my hands. I have, I have significant experience with this. So, that's when I kind of jump on that stuff a little bit earlier. And that was okay. Yeah. It, it wasn't really that difficult because I wasn't trying to make some like pretty newfangled nose out of this. I was trying to get a functional nose that was straight enough that was going to work for this person. And it went pretty smooth. But the Doyle splints stay in for two weeks. You know, it's a, it's a, the Doyle splints are these silicone rubber splints that have a tube down them so you can breathe through them. But we stitch them into the septum and they stay there and they hold the airway open while everything heals into place. And then we usually put an external cast on as well made out of either aquaplast or a Denver splint or whatever. Yeah. I mean, these are, I mean, that's unusual that you have to do that. But typically, you know, if you even think you fractured your nose and you go to the ER and they tell you you have, they're going to call someone to fix it or to come in and see you and just make sure you do the follow up. You know, whatever they yeah. tell you, go and see them. You know, really make sure that you fall within that time frame so that if it's possible to do it closed, it's a much better procedure. Just know that, you know, you may have to have something done in the future. Yeah. And the something done in the future is usually a full on rhinoplasty, you know, septorhinoplasty at four to six months after yeah. the fracture. And, and like you said, it's not a primary rhinoplasty. It's not like your friend that went and had her nose done at age 21. This is basically a revision rhinoplasty because once you fractured it, you've kind of changed the entire anatomy and function of that nose. It, it's a facial fracture repair. Yeah. You, didn't, you didn't break your nose, you broke your face because it's usually not just the nasal bones that are broken. The cartilage is broken. Yeah. The maxillary crest is broken. You know, the... The bones of the orbit, various different bones can be, you know, the uh, the eye socket are broken. Like it's not just like a like this like oh there's a chip off the nasal. You don't have to do anything for the chip off the nasal bone. Like if, it's when things are smashed. And and here's the thing that just drives me bananas. And I'm just gonna try not to be too like angry about this. Mm. Cartilage breaks. Yeah, it does. And you can break the cartilage without breaking the bones. Yes. So just because there's a CT scan 
that shows that the nasal bones didn't break, but the septum looks like a Z. <laughs> that's still a nasal fracture. A nasal fracture. <laughs> I'm laughing because I see these calls and these CTs where they come and they're like, "Yeah, we got the CT scan." But as it turns out, his nose isn't fractured, so um, we're just gonna like send him home. I'm like, "Okay, well, right." Let, and it looks like a fusilli. Look at the when CT you go scan see the guy. before you before you do anything. And I'm like scrolling through the images, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me? <laughs> his nose is like bent in half, smushed." <laughs> But there's no fracture. Right, because the nasal bones aren't yeah. fractured. Yeah. This drives me bananas. <laughs> like, how is there not a classification? Maybe there isn't. I just don't know about it. But how is there not a classification for the cartilaginous injury of these noses? Because all we ever hear about are the bones. Well, there's septal fracture. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's the but diagnosis. you got to call it, you but the, the, the radiologists don't because they see like, oh, they have a deviated septum. They say, and They say deviated septum, but you're like, wait. That's a fractured that's, septum. That's a fractured septum. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks like somebody put it through, you know, the yeah. freaking hedge clippers. You know, it just looks terrible. And you can, you can see that it's clearly been broken. Yeah. So that drives me a little bit nuts. There is a classification for nasal bone fractures called the strength classification do you know about that one, i actually two, don't well, no. there you go board question um and there's like a one two and a three and it's just you know one is like a chip and two is like it's broken in a couple of places and three is it's mulch crushed. yeah so that that does come up once in a while but it, it's very very incomplete sort of our characterization of nasal fractures and i really see them as face fractures i, I deal with it so much that it's just uh you know, and people have car accidents, they break their nose, and they get a rhinoplasty somewhere else, and then they get a rib graft somewhere else, and then they wind up in my office because it's like, it's still not right. And it's still going to be hard after that. And, uh, it, it, you know, there's always going to be something, something that's not right after any operation on the nose. There's always something that could be better. Always minor imperfections will be there. There's always going to be nostril asymmetry. But... You know, you you make it look as good as you possibly can to make it look like it's their nose that kind of works. You yeah. know, it has to work. Yeah, that's the thing too. It's there, there. There's very much a functional component too, which is probably one of the main reasons that's people the main come reason. back. Yeah, they can't breathe. Yeah, and, and after trauma, if you can't breathe after the trauma, it's the the thing that's most likely going to cause you to have a secondary operation yeah. is because you can't breathe. Yep, it's really important to know that. So yeah, so that's it. You break your nose, you get you get imaging, uh, make sure there's no septal hematoma, possible closed reduction in you know, four to 10 days after the fracture, and then potentially a four to six month follow-up for a rhinoplasty, septal rhinoplasty. Yeah, that's the drill. Well, there you have it. Nasal fractures in a nutshell. But for now, this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is brought to you by Rock Spa. This is MediSpa, located both in Beverly Hills and Newport Beach, providing services such as Botox, fillers, lasers, and all therapy, as well as hydrofacials and all the aesthetic products you could possibly need. It's run by the medical director, me, Dr. Jay Calvert. Rock Spa Beverly Hills is located at 120 South Spalding Drive, in Suite 340, Beverly Hills, 90212. The phone number there is 310-777-0496. And Rock Spa Newport Beach is located at 1617 West Cliff Drive 
Newport Beach, California, 92660. The phone number there is 949-640-1111. You can go to their respective websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. Rockspa was created to help my patients maintain their aesthetic beauty in between whatever operations they have throughout their lives. It's something that allows patients to come in, get their facials, skin treatments, take care of all the Botox fillers and lasers that they need to keep up their beauty. And if they've invested in any of the aesthetic operations I perform, it's the way to maintain those operations. If you mention this podcast, you will get the member's pricing for your hydrofacial. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is the way that Dr. Ravello and I talk about the issues that are important to us in plastic surgery, but there's nothing better than getting to take care of our patients and do plastic surgery. Our practices are located in Beverly Hills, and I also have a satellite office in Newport Beach. You can learn about my practice at drcalvert.com, and you can reach my office by calling 310-777-8800, and that will get you an appointment either in Beverly Hills or at the Newport Beach office. My practice is located in Beverly Hills. Our office phone number is 310-954-1355. You can also contact us directly through the website, which is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. We look forward to seeing you in the office for some aesthetic tune-ups.